Welcome back to Seen and Heard. We have Ani Radawa on this week, and we have a few things to go through. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com slash agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Give us the, let's start with the election uh, update. Yeah. So we had, we recently had our first board meeting of the year in January. Uh, Paul alluded to that in one of his uh, recent podcasts, uh, but where was an election of officers, uh, we have kind of a whole new board. So um, I'll go through the, the the new board members or the board members in general, and then we can talk about the executive committee. Um, we've now got Zach Cahill from Fortuna and Robert Rogota from Fernell on our board. In addition to Doug Retta from Santa Rosa, uh, he's returning um, for the general North Coast representation. We've got our trio there. And then we move a little further inland. Uh, we have Jack Hoekstra from Oakdale, uh, Jason Doris from Merced, and Trevor Nutcher from Ceres. And we've added a new board member, uh, Dominic Asaley, who's from Turlock, will also be joining our board. And then moving a little south into the uh, rest of the state, we have uh, two members from our Tulare region, Tyler Rivero and Frank Mendonca, are uh, both returned to our board to serve. And rounding out our 10th member uh, with Brian Scouten from San Jacinto. So uh, it's a busy board season. We've got a lot of kind of catch up to do, but the board did elect some officers uh, this past board meeting. They've elected uh, Frank Mendonca to lead the organization as president, uh, Jason Doors as vice president, uh, Trevor Nutcher is going to serve as our treasurer. And Jack Hookstra is going to serve as our member at large. Uh, these are four members of our 10-person board to assist the organization's financial decisions, um, ensure that there's checks and balances between the CEO and the membership. And uh, so we're really excited about this election of officers. Um, and if members have, I think, any input on the direction of the organization, this is why grassroots is so important um, I just I read off some names fairly quickly. You're always welcome to head to our website, wudairies.com. If you have any input for your regional board representative, 
Uh, we do work in mass, so we tend to react to members when they ask us to do something or ask us to engage in something. Um, generally, the board is uh, pretty proactive uh, when there are issues that arise, but sometimes, unless you bring it to our attention, we're just not really sure what's happening in your area. So um, anything from uh, too much crap in the almond holes to um, just a variety of other regulatory challenges, labor issues, we uh, really make sure that we lean on the board for that type of wisdom. Great. Okay. So uh, late last year when we were talking about the election, um, we were talking about other ways to get involved and you were encouraging people to get involved on the PAC side. Or, or is there still an option for that? Absolutely. We are. We are always looking for people to put their hands up um, to join our PAC committee. Uh, just as an emphasis, our PAC committee is a separate board uh, that makes independent decisions about how to um, exercise our political voice from our board. It's really important those two are separate, but that is another really good, I'd say, lower maintenance way to get involved with Western. We have two PAC meetings a year. Um, if there are massive, um, and we are going into an election, so this is going to be a particularly busy year for the PAC. Um, generally speaking, though, we will have a PAC meeting on the 29th of February, uh, likely in Modesto. So if a member wants to participate in the PAC, uh, I think that's a really good reminder. Time to put your hand up because we have our first PAC meeting of the year coming up pretty quickly. Great. Okay. So if uh, you want to get involved in the PAC, we'll have contact information in the show notes. Um, and we'll also have uh, contact information just on the general board. So if you want to share something or if you have a complaint or whatever, like, you know, what you get in contact with, right? Yeah. And I think that um, a lot of times people tend to look at politics almost like a religion. And so what the PAC meeting does is it helps uh, our members or anybody that's curious understand the math and the way that we essentially establish a dairy majority in the state. So we really look at numbers, we count votes, and we try really hard to make sure that the PAC is able to carry out decisions that will emphasize um, longevity when it comes to dairy farming in California. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's really, I think, eye-opening for folks that have not um, gotten into the habit of making a political decisions like a business decision, um, and that's fair. We all kind of react to things as they're going on in our life our own way. But that's how the pack operates, and it's it's always really helpful to get folks feedback. Uh, generally, I've I've watched a lot of people go through the pack meetings, and I think generally be shocked by the conclusions at the end, not because of any political bent, but because it's mathematic. Okay, great. Um, that kind of leads us into a little bit of a, of a pivot here along the same lines, and that is an update from Sacramento. So we've had some legislative wins. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, the, the year opened up with, this is the second year of a two-year bill cycle. Um, oftentimes, bills that were too controversial the first year will get shelved and then dusted off come the new year. Um, authors, bill authors that want to make a name for themselves, usually going into an election year, the second year of that two-year cycle is really where they kind of decide what is the most important priority for them and their re-election potential. And so with that news, and, and essentially California is under a tremendous budget crunch, we are in uh, kind of the tips of a recession, although 
given any economist on any day, given day of the week, they might have a different opinion about that. Generally speaking, economic times are really tough for both Californians and that means the state budget. So a lot of legislators who had, I think, very audacious goals about renewable energy or electric vehicle infrastructure or just any number of things have had to really ratchet some of those goals back. We've seen a number of cuts and reductions in, you know, kind of some ancillary programs, but big things like infrastructure, hospitals, roads, policing, um, those have not at the moment been subject to a lot of touching, you know, on the legislative side. We'll see what happens as the budget continues. But two very good pieces of news, uh, bills that we either had a hand in shelving last year or, you know, partially killing to the point where we brought a lot of, um, I think, public light and shed some some hostilities on them were SB 709 and AB 1550. So SB 709, uh, it should, we can certainly link it in the show notes. We did several podcasts on it last year, really culminated in a fizzle this year. It was reintroduced in some fashion. It's essentially wrote dairy out of the LCFS strategy. And uh, we've talked a lot about this in the podcast the last several months. It's been regulatory whiplash on how ARB has decided to engage dairy on the subject. Uh, leaving off on good news, if you're not familiar with the latest LCFS strategy proposed by ARB, listen to last week's episode from Paul Souza where he discusses the fact that ARB blinked um, on a lot of their more I think, environmental justice-leaning proposals. They walked it all the way to the edge of a cliff. 709 represented the legislative cliff that matched, I think, the regulatory perspective that, you know, environmental justice groups have, which is that dairy doesn't belong in that LCFS portfolio. Obviously, we disagree with that, and the science disagrees with that. But generally speaking, SB 709 um, legislated that terrible proposal that we saw come out in the fall uh, last year. But as of today, uh, 709 is dead. It is it has died. Um, I think a pretty pretty quiet death in the legislature. But if you work side by side with some of these folks, you know that the amount of negotiations that went on in the background were pretty intense. But I would say um, the author of 709, Senator Allen, um, didn't really have a third leg to stand on once ARB came out with their revised strategy a few weeks ago, which essentially was 180 degrees different from how his bill was set up to remove dairy from the biogas slash LCFS sector. Um, ARB said, yeah, no. Now, for farmers who might, or listeners who, if you ever are entertained at midnight and want to know how this governmental check and power balance goes, oftentimes you don't have a regulatory agency directly engaging on any kind of legislative proposal. Um, that there's a lot of, I think, constitutional reasons that that they, you know, preserve and protect. But generally speaking, the, the word was on the street that ARB was going to oppose this bill. That wouldn't have been good for the bill author, Senator Allen, in any way, shape, or form. It wouldn't have been good for the, the Democratic supermajority or the committee. So again, the tea leaves were definitely not um, stacked up in favor of this bill to move. 
Now, 709, just as important to point out, we've talked about this a lot on our nutrition efforts in maintaining a robust dairy offering in the school lunch menu. Um, they will resurface. Bill's bad ideas have a way of finding themselves in different pots, um, either in the legislative process or the regulatory process. So this is why you pay Western to be diligent about these kinds of things. We are also, per usual, seeing a number of old, dusty, bad ideas about plant-based um, veganism starting to show up again in certain bills. They may have different names, different bill numbers, but vigilance, maintaining a very robust government affairs portfolio and, and team is one of the ways that Western engages um, on dairy farmers' behalf. So that was really good news. Um, I certainly loathe trade associations that um, take sole credit for things. And so I want to make sure that I mention um, killing SB 709 was a massive endeavor by many groups, many coalitions, uh, many um, other ad groups. So it was with a lot of, I think, joint pressure combined with just an anti-force coming on with ARB. And then we have a very strong partnership here at Western with the Teamsters. And so we did um, engage them several times on this bill. Uh, they hated the bill. They opposed the bill. And uh, I think a lot of those factors really contributed to its demise. So that was helpful. Uh, but the other good piece of information, um, and this is a little bit tangential to dairy. Again, Paul has mentioned it now in the last two podcasts. We'll just call it the hydrogen advantage around here. But there was an effort um, at AB 1550 uh, where there was a, an attempt to classify uh, dairy biomethane in that renewable hydrogen space to try to take that away. And again, that would have created an obstacle to any kind of waste diversion, organic waste diversion. There are a number of groups that work to kill that, but as of today, AB 1550 is also dead. Um, and we know that it's not going to go anywhere. Either of these bills is going to go anywhere uh, this year because the last day of these two-year bills would have been yesterday, Wednesday, the, 30, the 31st of January. So mm -hmm. again, we always have to be on guard, I'm sure, especially the hydrogen bill. Um, that has been kind of ooching around for years now. There's a number of other groups that have been working on that. But um, we are trying to make sure that dairy in general has options for, again, either organic waste diversion, hydrogen from organic waste, that we want to be in that renewable space if the farmer um, determines that that's something that's a good, a good fit for his operation. So not limiting our choices in the renewable space is really important, but at the same time, making sure that there aren't any regulations that are added to dairy farmers is also something that we're keenly aware of and hyper vigilant of. Even if those efforts come from within our industry, we want to make sure that a dairy farmer's cost of production is not mandatorily increased, especially without his knowledge. So yeah, so that's some, uh, some good news. Yeah, those are those are a few good wins and are about to kind of kick off the year. So that's great. Yeah, now the budget fight really begins. Um, we've got, as, as I mentioned, depending on who you talk to, um, Governor Newsom has estimated that there is a somewhere around a 35 to 40 billion dollar hole in the budget. But the legislative analyst office um, has estimated that that gap is closer to 86 or 90 billion with a B. 
dollar hole. Um, I mean, that the LAO is extremely conservative. And the Newsom administration has demonstrated that they're not very conservative. So I would suggest that the truth is probably in the middle of those two numbers. Mm-hmm. Either way, that is a massive hole to fill. Yeah. And now that these two-year bills are you know, basically the ones that legislators don't want to fight hard for, I think is a, probably a good way to summarize. Now that that has cleared the the runway, now we can all kind of get to work on fighting for what legislators and lawmakers really do care about. And as per usual, um, it's a lot. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. to care about. Uh, there's certainly an environmental bucket. There's certainly a labor bucket. There's an automation bucket. There's an EV bucket, an energy bucket. Um, and so everybody will have a present or two under the Christmas tree. Usually not agriculture, though. Uh, we are usually, as an industry, viewed monolithically. Um, they often, they, the capital often does not distinguish between dairy and the rest of ag. And depending on your point of view, that's either a good thing or a rough thing. Um, and so oftentimes um, it's like, well, what present can we give to this one child? It's typically problematic and supporting recalls. Um, So yeah, that's why we might get one big present. So those are things that we have to kind of thread the needle for within our own industry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else that we should be looking for on the horizon in the next quarter? Uh, Well, you can certainly look forward to hearing from me on legislation that we are engaged on. Um, There are a number of, as I mentioned, uh, plant-based vegan proposals that we will have our usual parlay with and or fight. Um, There are a number of um, animal rights bills that have survived this, you know, this thinning of bills. Um, They are usually masquerading in the form of being pro, you know, humane treatment, anti-animal cruelty. The fine print always shows us something different. It's always an attempt to eliminate um, animal agriculture. So there are a lot of those efforts. Um, unfortunately, that we've, we've done some podcasts on this, but they're kind of all coming at the heels of what's happening in Sonoma County. Um, if you're not familiar with this, there is an anti-CAFO ballot measure that is circulating for signatures now. It is highly likely that it will qualify it essentially eliminates any production facilities over 200 animals, whether it's cows, chickens, goats, geese, ducks, anything that's in that livestock bucket. Um, so the efforts that Western is starting to mount in that direction are substantial. This is not a fight that we are going to lose. And we're making sure that the Sonoma County Farm Bureau is getting as much support as they need to make sure this thing dies. But a lot of that has given life and breath to animal rights activists that may not have otherwise seen the light of day. And so we're starting to see a few of those proposals creep through in the legislature. Okay. All right. Well, for listeners, if you have any questions about any more of the work that we're doing, you can get your chance to ask Anya about it at the farm show. She will be there the 13th through the 15th. Yes, I'm there all three days this year. Uh, We have a really good lineup. Um, The first day, um, I believe, both Paul and I will be there uh, in the afternoon. Uh, Tiffany Lamondola, our economist, will be there um, quite a bit of time on Wednesday, the, what is that, the 14th? Yeah. And 
and Anthony Raimondo will be hosting an all-day stop by get free legal advice on the 15th Thursday 10 a.m. through 3 p.m. Um, and I know his sessions are always very popular amongst members but if you want to bring your pay stubs if you want Tony to give your handbook a look-see or maybe you've gotten something from some threatening agency um, Tony is going to be there on Thursday this year the 15th uh, you're always welcome. We have a, a whole host of farmers that often send their office staff to consult with Tony on payroll, <clears throat> you know, sick leave, uh, overtime, vacation hours, irrigator pay. That's exactly what he's there to do um, is keep you guys out of trouble. So um, he will be there um, offering free uh, legal labor advice all day that day on the 15th. So and then Aubrey and I will be doing a groundwater seminar on 14th at 11.30 a.m. I think that's the right time. Um, and uh, so come by and see us. We're going to talk a lot about the successes of Landflex, about Landflex 2.0, what that will look like, the future of recharge as it relates to Sigma. It's a very hot topic. Um, but Aubrey and I are tired and we've now proved that you do not need to fallow land uh, in order to comply with Sigma. So we are sick and tired of people talking about Sigma compliance by retiring land. It's ridiculous. So we will um, have an opportunity to express that opinion with some fact-based information um, and also with the backing of a very successful um, state-run program called Landflex. Great. I'm looking forward to, to sitting in on that one. We'll have the schedule posted on the website and it's also going to be in the newsletter um, with more information. Thanks for coming on this week, Anya. We appreciate your time. And uh, you are we'll so welcome. Next week will, or so. Yeah, I will look forward to seeing everybody at the farm show. And in the meantime, my door is always open. Thanks for tuning in to Seen and Heard this week. If you want to keep up with the work that Western United Dairies is doing, you can follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can follow us on the website at wudairies.com. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com. Thank you to the Western United Dairy's generous business sponsors, The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. 
While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our guests, please know that the opinions expressed in the Seen and Heard podcast may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors or our sponsors. If you would like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. 